Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with a brand new episode here on The Truth. I am joined once again by AJ Ponziano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing good. How are you now? Doing great. Once again, we got another edition here of a fantasy slash NFL preview. Week 14, we officially are going to go over everything you need to know for Sunday and Monday in the NFL and fantasy football. We'll first start with our three takeaways from last week, which was week 13. We'll then move into week 14, where we'll go over our game of the week, two games to watch out for, our lock of the week, upset of the week. Before moving over to the fantasy portion, where we'll give you our two must-starts, two must-sits, two sleepers, and two busts. So without further ado, go ahead and give me your three takeaways from Week 13 in the NFL. I mean, the Chargers need to tear everything down. It's first and foremost. I mean, it was bad. Only putting up six points against the Patriots. I granted, yeah, the defense shut them out, but they should have. I mean, the Patriots have been bad. Uh, I think it was something like 13 points in the last three three games that they played. Technically, 13 points in the last four weeks with the bye week, if you want to make it sound even worse. But the Chargers just couldn't score. Like They couldn't get anything going. I don't really blame the players, but I, at the same time, I do. It's like, yeah, Brandon Staley, like, he sucks. Like, I think everyone just knows that by now. But Herbert, only three for 212 yards, not a single touchdown score in this game. All the points were two field goals. Eckler couldn't do anything. Um, Quinn Johnston, I mean, yeah, he had probably one of his better games, five catches, 52 yards. But outside of that, I mean, he had a few, like, big drops. I mean, just hasn't been good. I don't know what they're going to do for the future. I think Staley has to go, but even then, uh, you have enough talented players where it's like you can't put it all on the coaches. Next up is that Trevor Lawrence injury. I was watching that game live. Uh, it was a pretty bad injury just watching it from the beginning. Like, it's just everything about it, just like how he, he got his foot got stepped on, rolled over, and then like bent back, bent back like that. Uh, Everything about it was bad. I, I believe it's a high ankle sprain. Uh, he didn't saw anything worse than what it could have been. Uh, it's supposed to like best like best scenario that could have happened with it. Uh, that's a high ankle sprain. I'm assuming that he will miss this week. I believe that he said that he's feeling a lot better, but uh, I'm gonna make the assumption that he's not gonna play this week, uh, which could be big for the AFC South. I mean, the Colts and Texans are right there, both one game behind the Jags. If the Jags lose this game and Colts and Texans win this week, there's a three-way tie. Obviously, the Jags would be above the Colts uh, because the Jags won earlier in the year against them. And then I believe the Texans also lost to the Jags, so they'd be right behind them right there. So the same would change as much, but the records would all be the exact same. It would be a three-way tie uh, for the number one spot in the AFC South. And my last one is Brock Proof for MVP. I mean, he just got moved to the to having the best odds. Uh, I believe it's plus or minus 200 he now has uh, for winning MVP last week against the Eagles. I mean, we I know the Eagles' past defense is horrible, but they were able to get the running game going. And Purdy, yeah, he's a little bit of a system quarterback, but the numbers he's been putting up, especially last week, are not really system quarterback type numbers. Seven, no, 19 for 27, 314 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, only two rushes, nine yards. But even then, I mean, the Eagles' defense is be one of the best. I know they give up a lot of passing yards, mainly because the teams that they play are down, so they need to throw a lot uh, in comparison to running. But as a whole, I mean, he's been really good. Low turnovers, uh, really good touchdown to turn or interception ratio, a good amount of yards. I believe he's like first in QBR, first in completion percentage. Like there's like five or six stats he's first in. I mean, 
it's kind of crazy. Last picked the MVP just a year later after coming off a season where he started halfway through the year, basically went undefeated until that one loss against the Eagles in the playoffs. I mean, just the story gets even better for Brock Purdy, and it's just kind of surprising the type of jumps he's been able to make. Yeah, I mean, you look at my three takeaways. The first one, I'm going to go ahead and go with just two words, and that's Jake Browning. Jake Browning, I thought, was phenomenal last week at Jacksonville there on Monday Night Football, going 32 for 37, 354 yards with that one touchdown. Also had a rushing touchdown as well. Probably not a lot of people had him on their fantasy team, but if you did, it definitely gave you a good amount of fantasy points. 27 fantasy points last week for a guy like Jake Browning is obviously huge. But more than that, it was just the way that he commanded that offense. Obviously, there was a lot of skepticism about the Bengals' offense and really the Bengals' team as a whole moving forward with Joe Burrow going down with an injury, which obviously you know, was a bit skeptical for some people whether the Bengals were still going to be able to compete for something far greater. But the Bengals had a huge win there. They're still last place in the AFC North Division with a 6-6 six and six record, but are still very much alive in that AFC playoff mix. As we talked about, there are four teams, or three teams, excuse me, or maybe it's four, with 7-5 and five records and three teams with 6-6. Six and six. So you look at this playoff standings for the AFC, there's a lot of things that can happen here. And the biggest thing is what's going to happen, right? Like, who's going to come out on top? Who's going to get those playoff spots? Who's going to be sent home? You know, originally I was skeptical about Jake Browning. I didn't think he was going to need it, or he was going to be the quarterback that the Bengals were going to be able to, like, use from a playoff run. But the way that he played this week, or last week, I should say, I'm really curious to see how he's going to ferry over next week and if he's going to continue to have success or if this is just one of those fluke games. But I don't see that. I mean, 32 for 37 in the NFL is very difficult. And for him to do that and just command that offense as a whole, get Jamar Chase going, Joe Mixon going, guys like that, it was truly remarkable to see. And it's just always great to see stories like this happen, especially for a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. Secondly, I said the 49ers show everyone why I think they're the best team. I had talked about this a couple weeks ago on the Instagram Live there with the truth, or with Ben, I should say, on the truth. And I had said that the Eagles were a better team than the, I'm sorry, the 49ers were a better team than the Eagles, even though the Eagles had a better record. Because in my opinion, records are deceiving. I understand records mean a lot as far as playoff positioning and get to the playoffs. But at the end of the day, everyone knows that once you get to the postseason, everyone starts with a 0-0 zero and zero record. It doesn't matter if you went 13-3, and three, or in this case 14-3, and three, or if you went 8-8 eight and eight and, or 8-9 and, and made the postseason. Everyone starts with a 0-0 zero and zero record. You need a good enough record to get into that postseason. But I don't think records really determine how good of a football team you are. Anyways, I think the Eagles were like two games ahead of the 49ers when I had said this, that the Eagles are the 49ers are a far better team than the Eagles. And Ben was debating me. He was talking about the fact that the Eagles are 10-1. and one. I understand that. They were 10-1. and one. But at the same time, this 49ers team from top to bottom, you can't tell me there's another team that's better than them. And we got, they got two explosive ends from Ohio State. Obviously, as you mentioned, Brock Purdy, literally maybe he's going to win MVP. George Kittle, who's hardly gotten involved. Debo Samuel had his breakout game. Christian McCaffrey, who was unstoppable. I mean, this team from top to bottom is phenomenal. And you look at them as a whole, I don't understand how there's a better team than them. And I had said on this week's Instagram Live that I don't see the 49ers losing another game. They might go on that streak where they won, what, 14 games, 9 games, something like that in a row. I think it's very possible to do that once again and completely run through the NFC. I believe they are still a game back from that top seed in the NFC, but for where they're at right now, it's going to be very difficult for a team to stop this team. So I'm really excited to see what the 49ers are going to be able to do come the line. And just the NFC playoff picture as a whole, because the Eagles and the Cowboys do face each other this week, and that can determine a lot for seeding and just the number one seed in general. So that was basically my second takeaway, was the fact that the 49ers proved to everybody why I think they were the best team and have thought they've been the best team all throughout the season. 
And then finally, I got to go ahead and take a look at your team here, the Saints. Are the Saints in turmoil? I mean, they're 5-7. and seven. They're on a three-game losing streak. They have not looked good. They've dealt with some issues off the field, if you remember, you know, with Michael Thomas throwing shade at Derek Carr. I mean, this team, man, I don't know what's going on with them, but they, they should be a lot better than 5-7. and seven. They should be a lot better than, well, a game behind the NFC South as far as the lead is concerned. But I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, you know more about the Saints as a whole, but this team is far too good to be 5-7. and seven. This team is by far the best team in the NFC South Division, and they really got to find a way to turn it up sometime soon. Otherwise, they're going to be sitting at home in the, uh, for the postseason this, season, this year. All right, let's go ahead and move into week 14. Give me your game of the week. Sorry to do that. I could go on a complete like tangent about that. Yeah, I mean, the Saints have been horrible. I mean, the Vikings haven't been the best either. We're kind of both in the exact same scenario where both teams are too good to be where they're at. That's true. But uh, so week 14, game of the week, it's got to be Eagles-Cowboys. I mean, I get there's a couple of good games this week, but this game really – uh, determined seeding. Right now, the Eagles are one game up on the Cowboys uh, in the division. And the last time they played, the Eagles won 28-23. Uh, this game will tie the division exactly uh, between the two. I mean, both of them will have, if the, if the Cowboys win. If the Cowboys win, they'll both have the exact same record. They'll both have a win over each other. Uh, it will kind of just come down to a point differential, which I believe the Cowboys would have the advantage there. Uh, so that may move them into first into the division. I think this is going to be a really good game, interdivisional game. I mean, we saw it again on November 5th. It was a 28-23 uh, game, just as a really good game back and forth. Dak in that game had a really good game. Uh, same with CD. Just everything on the passing side was went right. And then for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, saw game, running game was good. They had two different guys have a rushing touchdown. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith had good games there. I mean, I think this is just going to be a really fun game. This game is going to mean a lot for that division, especially uh, standing-wise for everything being tied if the Cowboys were to win. Yeah, so, you know, my game of the week is obviously Eagles at Cowboys. I think there's no debate about this one. I mean, this was one of the games that a lot of people had circled on their calendars. Let's not forget as well, this Eagles-Cowboys game could very well have been a Cowboys win last week or the last time they faced as well if Dak Prescott didn't step out there. I believe it was on the two-point conversion, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But this is going to be a fun game. It's at Dallas this time, which definitely changes the course. It's very hard to play in Philadelphia. Everybody knows that. But playing at Dallas is going to be um, very interesting to see how this team is going to fare. Or the Eagles, I should say. I think I know how the Cowboys are going to fare. And the, the, the thing is, is, too, for you know a team like the Dallas Cowboys, they are a really good team from top to bottom. I think everybody does realize that. And they've been doing really well, especially as of late, with the way that they've been able to um, you know, get the offense rolling, get CD going. I'm still waiting to get see them get Tony Pollard going a little bit, but they've been doing a good job of getting a lot of things going, and that was one of the things that I felt like they were just waiting to break, and they finally did. So good to see them there having that type of success, which obviously, um, you know, you like to see. And um, I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I hope it is. I got a lot of Eagles and Cowboys out there, obviously. <laughs> Um, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think the Cowboys do win this one here at home and uh, actually tie the division lead there with the Philadelphia Eagles and potentially tie for the number one seed at the moment as well. All right, what are your two games to watch out for? So my first game, I got to go Chiefs-Bills. Uh, this is a game between, two. I think, probably the two frontrunners coming into this year for MVP between Josh Allen and Mahomes. And I would say both as a whole have kind of underperformed. Uh, Josh Allen... 
kind of going kind of turning back the luck from his like first two years where he was throwing a lot more interceptions, uh, trying to do more than what's needed. And Mahomes, I mean, Grant Mahomes hasn't had the receivers there. Uh, Travis Kelsey really hasn't looked like the same guy uh, that he has been uh, these last few years. I know last week he had four catches for 81 yards, but even then, only four catches for Kelsey. Rasheed Rice is kind of coming along, two back-to-back solid weeks. But just as a whole, I mean, Mahomes is kind of willing them into this game. I think this game should be a little more of an offensive showcase. I know that the Chiefs defense has been solid all year. The Bills have been all right, but I think this is one of those ones where both quarterbacks kind of are going to just go at it. I mean, I think that this is a game where each quarterback's going to have to will them into it, going to have to be must-win games also. I know that the Chiefs, they, I believe they're in the lead in their division at 8-4, and four, uh, even coming off the loss against the Packers, but... At the same time, the Broncos have been sneaking up on them. Uh, the Dolphins, I believe, are the number one seed. Uh, the Bills haven't been looking good at a 6-6 six six record. They need to turn it on if they want to make a playoff spot. And my next one is going to be Rams versus Ravens. Ravens have been pretty solid all year. Um, there's times where Lamar, he hasn't had his best games, but that's more of just looking at fantasy purposes. They've had good games as a whole, as a team. They've been able to score a good amount. The, the Rams and the Reese have looked really good. Puka has been really good. Uh, Cooper Cup has been kind of non-existent these last few weeks, even having uh, Stafford back. It's just been, kind of been interesting, but the defense has been solid. Uh, the Rams won last week, 30, put 36 points against the Browns defense, who's been solid all year. I don't, I don't know. I think this is going to be a fun game. These are two teams that uh, are right around the 500 range, and I believe or Ravens are above 500, but... The Rams are at 500 range. They will, they want to try to sneak their way into the playoffs, uh, potentially also getting Stafford back healthy and trying to get Cooper Cup going. I think this will be another fun game. Yeah, so my first key game is going to be Chiefs-Bills. I mean, I think this one's obvious as well. The Bills have been going through an absolute gauntlet of their schedule. The Bills are actually second in the AFC East Division with a 6-6 six and six record, but that kind of gets overshadowed because if the season were to end today, they would not be in the postseason as far as the AL wildcard is concerned. Or the AFC wildcard, not the AL wildcard. Um, you look at the Bills as a whole, they got a couple tough games. I mean, obviously, the Chiefs on the road is going to be tough. Then they face the Cowboys next week at home. And then they're at the Chargers. And the Chargers haven't been playing great as well, but we know how good the Chargers can be before they end the season against Miami. So it doesn't look good for Bills fans. They have to win these next two games, in my opinion, if I think they're going to have any chance of you know making it to the playoffs this season. I really do believe that's going to be what um, what happens. So... This is a big game for them. They have to win. Obviously, the Chiefs want to win as well. The Chiefs are a really good team, and they're currently sitting with an 8-4 and four record. They have higher aspirations of making it all the way to you know, the AFC Super, or the AFC Championship and then the Super Bowl as well. And it is in Kansas City, which makes the environment that much more difficult. So there's a lot of things coming out here that's going to be really interesting to see what this game transpires. But it opens up a lot of doors for both sides, right? It opens up doors for... The Chiefs, it also opens up doors for the Bills. And so it's a huge game here. As mentioned, uh, Allen versus Mahomes, a favorite matchup for a lot of people as time has gone on. It's going to be continue to be a huge rivalry matchup for these two quarterbacks throughout their entire careers. Josh Allen hasn't been playing great. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has been playing phenomenal as well in Patrick Mahomes standards, just because his wide receivers have definitely let them down. So kind of two, I wouldn't say struggling quarterbacks, but maybe struggling a little bit compared to where they've been at. So it should be a fun and exciting one. And then I'm also going to go with an NFC South battle in the Bucks and the Falcons. I think this is going to be a very important game for both sides. I mean, you look at these 
division as a whole. The Falcons are currently sitting in first place. Buccaneers are technically in second with a 5-7 and seven record, but the Buccaneers travel to Atlanta. This could potentially decide the NFC South division. I still think the Saints are close to being favorites to win that division just because everyone else in the division is terrible. But at the end of the day, if it's not the Saints, it's going to probably be one of the— actually, it will be one of these two teams because the Panthers are nowhere close to that. And this could be a matchup that really decides a lot for that down the line. The Falcons also won the first game at Tampa Bay 16-13 back on October 22nd. And for the Falcons, they got the Panthers, Colts, Bears, and Saints. So some favorable matchups coming up here. For the Buccaneers, I feel like it's like their last main chance to, you know, winning the division just because they'll be two games back if they lose this one here today. So it's really huge for the uh, the Bucks to come away with a victory and uh, and have success in this one. And I feel like that's a little bit more important. So obviously, it's important for both teams, but really in particular, this matchup could really determine a lot for not only the NFC South division, but the entire playoff prediction or the entire playoff bracket as a whole. So you know, it could be really good or really bad for both teams. But I think it's going to be a fun one. As far as who I think is going to win this game, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bucks winning. I just don't believe the Falcons' hype. Like, I just don't. I know they're first place in the division, but they just don't seem very good to me at all. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bucks winning this game here. The Bucks started off hot, have definitely cooled down as of late. I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to get back in the swing of things and have success. Forgot to mention as well the, the previous matchup, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bills winning that game there at Kansas City. All right, go ahead and give me your lock of the week. So I have Dolphins over Titans, and I'm going to go all the way to the Monday night game. Uh, the Dolphins' offense has been really good. The defense has been solid that year, and the Titans just aren't that good. Will Levis kind of, I would say a fraud, but kind of more of a fluke game. That first game, four touchdowns and interceptions, a good amount of passing yards there. I mean, he really hasn't come close to that since that first start. Uh, and plus, the Dolphins play really good against bad teams. Uh, against better teams, they're kind of 500. They're uh, more subpar. But against teams that are below 500, that uh, don't play good, they seem to just turn it on against those guys. And also, it's at Miami. Uh, I know it's a night game, but I saw I didn't see a thing or saw a video where they were like the sidelines of the are uh, the opposing team when they're at home like can get like 30 degrees hotter than like the home side on the sideline. I know that's not going to be much of an effect there, but I feel like that's one of the reasons why they play really good at home, uh, especially against worse teams. But I don't know. I think that the Dolphins over the Titans should be an easy win this week for them, uh, especially the Titans potentially drafting a quarterback this year, this year, even though they drafted Will Levis, depending on how high hey, they pick. Hey, hey, hey. Will Levis is a Hall of Famer. They're not drafting a quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer for a different team, not for the Titans. Come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this should be an easy win for the uh, for the Dolphins over the Titans this week. So I'm going to go with a maybe potentially closer matchup and kind of one that you mentioned in your games to look out for, but it's going to be Rams at the Ravens, and I'm going to go ahead with the Ravens winning this game. Look, I overlooked the Ravens completely. I'll be the first to admit that, and I overlooked them as the season went on as well. I didn't really believe the hype, but now i got to believe the hype. I mean, the Ravens are playing phenomenal football, you know, playing atop the AFC right now with a 9-3 and record on that two-game win streak. It's going to be a very interesting matchup. The Ravens are also coming off a bye, and, you know, being able to come off a bye, just obviously legs are refreshed a little bit, a little more juice, a little more swagger to get them that final push to the not only the playoffs but Super Bowl aspirations as well. And so that's one of the reasons why I like the Ravens winning this game here against the Rams. The Rams did come away with a victory at home against the Browns and Joe Flacco in his return to the NFL last week. But I don't know. Like, I still, I mean, yeah, the Rams are 6-6. Six and six. I put them in my playoff picture in the Instagram Live on Tuesday. 
you know, there's the team that can definitely make the playoffs, especially when they are able to get fully healthy. But I think going into Baltimore is going to be a difficult environment for them. And I'm really just liking the Ravens for a couple reasons. But one, because they're coming off a bye week, which is extremely underrated. People don't understand how much that extra week off, especially at this point in the season, comes to fruition. I think Lamar plays great. I think their offense plays great. And I think their defense shuts down Matthew Stafford and that team as a whole. Okay, what about your upset of the week? So I had this I had this down uh, before the injury to Trevor Lawrence, but I had Browns over Jags. I, I don't think the Jags have been that good. Trevor Lawrence was playing a lot better before uh, before that injury. Uh, if he was playing this week going into this week, but now even more with uh, Trevor Lawrence most likely not playing, uh, and Joe Flacco really wasn't that bad against the Rams. I know he had that late game interception, kind of just a dumb pass, but. Before that, he had over 250 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. And the Browns were decent. I mean, they weren't that bad. Uh, and Browns' defense was exposed a little bit against the Rams uh, last week. But I thought they were going to tighten up. But I still have the Browns over the Jags, especially even more now with Trevor Lawrence being out. Yeah, so there's obviously some uncertainty about Trevor Lawrence's health. I know he had said that he's hopeful to play. He's been feeling a lot better in this matchup. We are recording this podcast the day before it is getting uploaded, so there is no guarantee just yet, but that should be an intriguing matchup. For me, I'm going to go with a bit of an upset that's not really a huge upset. It's one of those like really good games, potentially. At the time of recording, they were favored. The Colts were favored in this one, which is why I have the Colts-Bengals and the Bengals winning. But this game could really go either way. I had said early on in the Instagram Live as well that the winner of this game... I think will make the playoffs in the AFC, and the loser will be officially eliminated. I mean, a 7-5 and five team versus a 6-6 six six team, it can definitely go both ways. If the Colts win, it almost guarantees them a spot in the postseason, especially with their schedule coming up. If the Bengals win, it keeps them very much alive, and they improve to 7-6 and six and right back in the playoff mix once again. So I think this is going to be a good matchup here. Jake Browning, I also had said, was going to throw for three touchdowns in this one. I think Gardner Minshew plays well. I just don't think there's going to be much defense in this game. I really don't. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bengals winning this game here. Like I said, some may consider it an upset. Some may not. At the time of recording this, it was considered an upset, which is the reason why I'm going to go ahead and say that it is my upset for the week. All right, let's go ahead and go into our fantasy portion here. Go ahead and give me your two must-starts. So my first one, I'm gonna go with Sam Laporte. I feel like he's still super, he's still super underrated up to this point, especially in fantasy. I think he definitely got picked up a lot more these last like four or five weeks, uh, but early on he really wasn't. He was one of those guys you could have gotten with like your last pick in the draft, and now I think he's like the number three, number two fantasy tight end uh, coming off last week where he had a good amount of yards, good amount of receptions, and a touchdown. But going up against the Bears, I mean. Bears, it, it just doesn't matter. Bears are Bears already secured the number one pick with that trade, uh, getting that pick from the Panthers, and now they're just trying to get an even higher pick. I believe they're right now they're slotted for like the number four overall pick. Uh, so at this point, I mean, it really doesn't matter. I think Sam Lafour is going to have a really good game. Uh, just the team just doesn't care. The Bears just don't care. It doesn't matter. They're just trying to get top picks, and they're trying to just move closer to getting like the first and third pick potentially there as well. And then I'm going to go with Devontae Adams against your Vikings. The Vikings have given up a lot of receptions this year. And it seems like every game there's usually one guy who has a really good game. I'm going to bet it's going to be Devontae Adams out of everyone. It's been Aino O'Connell's favorite target. Uh, I know Jacoby Myers, he's had a couple good games. Uh, but uh, Mike My- Myers for or Michael Myers, Mike Myers, whatever, every, uh, for the tight end, he really hasn't had that good season, impactful season up to this point. 
I can get anyone's going to have a good game, it's going to be Devontae Adams there. Like I said, they give up a good amount of receptions. It seems like there's always one player uh, who has a really good game against the Vikings. It's not really multiple guys. And Devontae Adams being the number one target there, being more of that, uh, being that number one wide receiver, top wide receiver in the league, I would assume that him out of anyone would have the best game. So for my first must start, if you guys have not been able to tell by this podcast, I'm a very big Jake Browning fan, and I'm going to go ahead and go with Jake Browning as my must start this week. He showed a lot of strength, and he showed a lot of fortitude there at the quarterback position. And looking at Jake Browning as a whole, he's a guy that you wouldn't expect to have a lot of success. I mean, he went jumped from 7.4% of leagues rostered in to 24%, after, especially after that Monday night performance. If you could get 27 points from a quarterback, I think you have to be very happy. Even if you get like 23 points from a quarterback every week, depending on how your league settings work, um, obviously. But Jake Browning, his favorite target was Jamar Chase. That was obvious in that Monday night matchup there against the Jaguars. I think that relationship between the two definitely continues to go moving forward. It excites me to see you know, potentially what Browning and Chase could do. For fantasy purposes, for my own personal benefit, I would like to see Jake Browning get T. Higgins a little bit more involved. But hey, you know what? You can't get what you wish for all the time. So, you know, if he's able to spread the wealth a little bit, it would help, you know, yours truly. But in all seriousness, Jake Browning's a very good quarterback, at least has showed some signs of being a very good quarterback, especially for the Bengals, a team that desperately needed some, uh, some optimism after losing Joe Burrow. But on top of that, I think it's a favorable matchup. The Colts usually give up a good amount of points to offenses or fantasy players on the offensive side. Don't play a lot of defense per se. So you never know what you're going to get out of the Colts, but I think Jake Browning is for sure a must start. And then secondly, I'm going to go with Chris Godwin. But Chris Godwin's kind of fallen off the face of the earth as far as fantasy is concerned, especially the last five weeks. Hasn't gotten more than 10 points, which concerns a lot of fantasy owners and really should concern a lot of fantasy owners, right? Like I'm not trying to sit here and say you shouldn't be concerned because, you know, he's gotten... 3.6, 9.4, 9.9, 7.5, and 7.9. But I look at the four weeks prior, it was 19.4, 13.7, 12.6, and 17.8. I had said to one of my buddies actually earlier today, I'm liking Baker Mayfield against the Falcons. Sure, does the Falcons defense give up a lot of points? Typically, no. But I think Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers are playing for something far greater, and they're really looking to obviously make a run at uh, the playoffs in the NFC South crown, and that's going to start with a matchup here against the Falcons. So I think this offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. Obviously, I like Chris Godwin as a whole, but I like him especially this week here. I think it's going to be a good game for him, and I'm really getting him back on track. Also, Mike Evans has been popping off. I, re- I believe it was last week as well when he had his consecutive 1,000-yard streak continue. I'm not saying Mike Evans is going to cool down, but Baker Mayfield realizes he's got to share the wealth. So expect guys like Chris Godwin or even Kate Otten to get into the mix as well. But I'm definitely liking the matchup here for him, especially at the Falcons in that divisional matchup. All right, go ahead and give me your two sits. So the first one, I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley. There's more or less uh, relies on if Trevor Lawrence does play. I would assume that they would sit him uh, to make sure that he's 100% for the rest of the year, especially going into the playoffs. I know it's a one-game difference right now. If the Colts uh, do win this week, they will be tied, I believe, with the Jags, uh, or be only, be only a game behind. But the Jags also have already beaten the Colts this year, so they would still hold that number one spot. Uh, I would I would make the assumption that they would want to sit him to get him healthy, especially uh, with a good chance of making the playoffs. But as a whole, also, I mean, he really hasn't been that good. He's had his ups and downs. Uh, he's had his big games and then really bad games. Uh, last week uh, was one of those games where it wasn't as good. Four catches, 26 yards. I believe all of those was with Trevor Lawrence. I don't believe he uh, got any of those with C.J. Beathard, uh, who is the backup quarterback that came in. 
Uh, Beathard was 9 for 10 for 63 yards, but really wasn't pushing the ball downfield. Uh, wasn't really doing a whole lot there. So I don't expect him, if he does play, to do that much with Crowley Ridley, with Christian Kirk being that number one guy. And then I'm going to go with any of the Seahawks, uh, any of the Seahawks, like, RB room. Kenneth, Gain, uh, Kenneth Walker, sorry. If he does play, it's I think it's doubtful for this game. Or even Zach Charbonnet. I believe both of them were uh, out yesterday. They did not practice yesterday. Uh, the practice report for today, I don't believe, has come out yet. It is still pretty early in the in the day that we're recording this. But yesterday of this recording, they did not practice at all. So there's a chance, especially going against 49ers, there isn't going to be much room uh, for the running backs. Yeah, they may get a little bit more receiving on the backfield, but Kev Walker comes back, he's not going to be 100%. He's probably going to be on a little bit more of a snap uh, limit. And then that's also going to take away carries and potential t- um, attempts for uh, for Charbonnet. So as a whole, either way, with them both being out uh, or out of practice this week, especially early on in the week, I would just stay away from them. So my first must sit is going to be Russell Wilson. Dangerous, baby. In one of my leagues, Justin Fields was on a bye, so I ended up having to pick up a quarterback off of waivers, and I picked up Russell Wilson. Now, Russell Wilson, if you're looking at epitome of consistent, it's Russell Wilson. I mean, he hasn't had more than 20 fantasy points, I believe, since it was week four, yeah, against Chicago. This week, they're on their second game of their three-game road stand at the Chargers. I like the Chargers defense. I've talked about the Chargers defense a lot this season. I think they're a very good defense. Last week, 15.84, had those three interceptions, one at the end of the game. It was his first interception in five weeks, so I understand that. But at the end of the day, like a lot of people... For a lot of fantasy owners, I should say, either you're starting your playoffs this week or it's your last week of the regular season before playoffs. And you need guys that are going to be home run hitters, right? You're not going to need guys that are going to be single hitters like Russell Wilson. So I think you have to sit Russell Wilson until he gets back up to 20 points per game. Now, if your your team is pretty, you know, depth-wise, it's pretty good. And, you know, you need a quarterback that's consistent, then maybe Russell Wilson's your guy. But... For me, you need home run hitters, especially at this point in the fantasy season. And Russell Wilson just hasn't really proved that to be. He's a 14th-ranked position quarterback, so he's not even technically a starting quarterback for you fantasy owners that are in 12-man league. So I'm just avoiding him as much as possible. And second, I'm going to go with Dalton Schultz. Now, Dalton Schultz last week, I know he was banged up, but he only had one catch for two yards. He is questionable for this matchup here this week. Um, He wasn't spotted at the initial portion of practice Thursday, and he had missed the past Sunday's game, obviously against the Broncos, because of that injury. When he got injured in Jacksonville, one catch, two yards. But before that, two catches, 32 yards, and a touchdown, four catches before that. I don't know. Productivity does concern me a little bit. There is potential if he does play to have a good amount of success. And why is that the case? Because Tank Dell is out for the season with a fractured fibula. Nico Collins has been a great asset to C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud has developed a good connection with Dalton Schultz. I think there's too many risks with Dalton Schultz this week. And if I'm a fantasy owner, I'm shying away from him. Again, he's the guy that can maybe get you those 27 points like he did against Tampa Bay in Week 9. 10 catches, 130 yards, and a score. And maybe that's the risk you take. You know, a guy like Taysom Hill or Dalton Schultz. But... This is not coming, not cutting time for fantasy owners, and so you need every possible outcome. And for me, I'm just trying to avoid him as much as possible. He's more of a singles guy for me, and uh, like I said, I'm looking for home run players at this point in the fantasy season. Okay, what about your two sleepers? So my first sleepers actually was your first buzz. It's going to be Russell Wilson. Uh, I know for me, I have like, I've already secured my playoff spot, so I, I'm not going to pick him up or anything. But if you want consistent points and like you. And like you have a pretty, I would say a big lead, but like you have somewhat of an advantage this week, and you just don't want, you just want 
me- mediocre you want good QB play. Uh, you don't want your QB to go shit the bed. Sorry, excuse my language. But uh, Russell Wilson, I know last week he didn't have the best week. He had three receptions, the one touchdown, a hundred and only 186 yards. He did have 44 rushing yards with a rushing touchdown, so made up a little bit there against the Texans. But going up against the Chargers, I know you said you like their defense. I do not like their defense at all. Uh, they've given up the second most passing yards at 3,481. 17 touchdowns, which is actually not that much in comparison to some of those other teams that are up there, like the Commanders who've given up the most at 30 and then Eagles at 27. Uh, they've given up 17 touchdowns, six interceptions. So, I mean, a better ratio than those other teams, but they've been giving up a lot of yards in these games, and that's why I kind of like him. He's going to uh, he's been very mediocre. The highs, the highs and lows need to match. I mean, if coming off a really, really bad low, he may have a really bad, a really good high. I mean, to even those out, and especially this week, uh, being that last week of the regular season for fantasy owners or the first week of playoffs, that's something that you really want. If he's going to be mediocre, the lows have to match the highs. So if last week's a really, a really big low, he's going to have to have a really big high this week. And next up, I'm going to go with Jameson Williams. Uh, for the Lions, he's been their home run hitter. He's been the guy um, that's going to either get you a touchdown. He's going to be that big play guy, and this is more for teams that need that need that big potential guy. So that's why I like him, especially going up against the Bears, who are not good. I mean, defensively, I've, I've already explained this earlier about how bad the Bears are. Uh, the Bears, passing yard wise, they've been better. I believe they're right around the twelve. They're right around 12 for the most yards given up, just under 3,000. They have given up 23 passing touchdowns uh, to 13 interceptions. So about a one to two to one ratio right there. But if you want a home run hitter, you want high upside as, as a fantasy owner and like you're projected to lose this week, Jameson Williams could be that guy. He could go out there and give you three catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown, or maybe two. He's one of those guys that they take a deep shot, they're going to go with him in comparison to guys like Sam Laporta or guys like Amon Ra, who are more middle of the field, can break off some plays, but more just get him out into space and let him run type guys. Jameson Williams is going to be that guy who's going to take uh, the top off the defense. And if you're someone who, like I said, is projected to be down and you you know, law of upside, I like Jameson Williams to speak for a lot of upside points. So for me, my two sleepers, I'm going to stick with tight ends for my two sleepers. I'm going to go with Isaiah Likely. I feel like I say him as a sleeper every week. Last week in his first game as a number one tight end for the Ravens, four catches, 40 yards. You know, fine, eight points there. I think he gets into the end zone this week. I really do, if not once, maybe twice. He's the guy that's been one of those guys that you really expect to have a good amount of success. And for me, I look at him and I think he's got all the potential too. I think this is also a credit, in my opinion, to the Ravens' offense potentially this week. I think the Ravens' offense is going to be busting. I think it's going to be clicking on all cylinders. So there's a lot of things that it does excite me about a guy like him. And one of the reasons why I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in this matchup here against the Rams. But Lamar had shown early on, especially towards the end of last season, like these production and where he's at and one of those reasons why He's been able to have success. So that's one of the things that does excite me about him and one of the reasons why I think he's a sleeper. And then I'm also going to go with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts broke out into the scene, it felt like, in fantasy owners last season towards the end of the year, right when playoff time came about. And I think this is going to be one of those things that 
does happen once again. You know, I think Kyle Pitts last week, 9.1 points, four catches, 51 yards. He has only one touchdown this season, which was against Washington, but I'm expecting his production to start to go up a little bit. You never can really say that with Arthur Smith because you uh, you don't know what he's going to do. He seems to just hoe fantasy owners left and right, whether it's Drake London, Kyle Pitts, or even Bijan Robinson. But I'm liking Kyle Pitts for the rest of the season. I'm probably, the league I do have Kyle Pitts, i got to start Sam Laporta. But if I had Kyle Pitts in my other league at the tight end position, I think I'd take the risk. I wouldn't be surprised if he has three or four touchdowns in the final five games of the season. I really think there's going to be an emphasis on getting Kyle Pitts going. He did it last season towards the end of fantasy, and I think it's going to happen this week once again, and as the season goes on down the line. Okay, your two busts. So my first bust, I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen these last few weeks uh, has really been losing those targets uh, from Bryce Young. But also going up against a Saints team who hasn't been that good, and they really need to turn it on. Defensively, they haven't been that bad. I mean, they haven't been good the last couple weeks. But as a whole, they've been a lot better than some other teams. And going against the Thielen, Thielen who they've gone up against a lot, especially going up against the Vikings uh, quite a few times, they've seen Thielen a good amount. Up to this point, they know what type of wide receiver is. And also, he is an older wide receiver. But guys like Jonathan Mingo, rookie, he's been playing a lot better. He's been getting a lot more of those targets. And Adam Thielen, if I'm not wrong, has gotten very few targets these last few weeks, very few catches as well. And he was more of a, he was really a PPR guy early on in the season, and he's been losing a lot of that as of recently. I think they've been trying to get uh, scheme up more plays for these younger guys, guys who are more uh, into the, more for the future of the team compared to Thielen, who's a good re- receiving target for younger Bryce Young at the moment. And next up is a little bit more of an interesting one, but I'm going to go with Nico Collins. The reason why I'm going to go with Nico Collins is a little bit different, that Tank Dell isn't going to be there. So that's going to, he's going to sure get more targets because of that. But going against Sauce Gardner is probably going to uh, be on him all game. Sauce has been one of the best cornerbacks all league. And the entire league, you don't really even hear his name because the Jets are so bad. But you also don't hear his name because no one ever targets him. He has some of the lowest target rates against him, against any team that he's gone against. He doesn't have many interceptions, few pass, pass deflections, but the reason why he doesn't have those type of numbers is because no one has gone his way. I know Stroud uh, really likes uh, the deep ball. He really likes going after, going after guys like Nico Collins. But Tank Dell out... Uh, Nico Collins is going to be happy no more receiver, and there's a good chance Sauce Gardner is going to be on all game. And also, the Jets' defense hasn't been that bad. They've been pretty solid all year. They haven't given up that many passing yards in comparison to a lot of other teams. It's been more on on the ground in those longer drives. Those are going to look bad. But also, the defense has been on the field a lot longer these last few weeks because having Tim Boyle at quarterback, Zach Wilson is the starter this week. He's already been named. Uh, starter, I think the offense should be a little better for the Jets, uh, so that should also take away time uh, possession from the Texans. So I'm going to go with two running backs. First one's kind of an obvious one. I think they're both kind of obvious, but the first one I'm going to go with Dearness Johnson. And no, he's not on Cleveland anymore. He's on Jacksonville, actually. Um, there was some skepticism of Dearness Johnson throughout the season. I was expecting him to be more of a budget running back, per se. And, you know, this week as a whole, I mean, he's been one of those guys that's you know, last week, five carries, four yards. But he had seven carries in both his previous two games, 6.4, 7.1 points. Now that the running back's relatively fully healthy, I expect overall a lot of success there, and that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to see um, other running backs have success and not Dearness Johnson. And secondly, I'm going to go with Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell is, I think, a more option that people would go to more 
Five catches, 42 yards. was really the bulk of his fantasy production last week. He's only gotten over 10 fantasy points once, and that was at New England in the first week. So Kenneth Gainwell is a guy, especially at Dallas, there is potential for him to be a good PPR back, but I think expect more production there from DeAndre Swift and just Jalen Hurts in general. So it's one of those things that does concern me about Kenneth Gainwell. I know one of my buddies was starting him in one of his fantasy leagues, and I just think he's going he's gonna to bust for you because he had five catches for 42 yards, but two rushes for five yards. So not a lot of production there from Kenneth Gainwell. I'd like to see them incorporate Gainwell more to the offense. They just haven't done that yet. So that's one of the reasons why I'm avoiding him as well. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode here on The Truth. If you guys did enjoy it, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value you don't want to miss. Make sure you guys also follow The Truth on Instagram and TikTok at the.tt.truth. We do an Instagram Live every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, then post the highlights and clips from those Instagram Lives on our Instagram and TikTok pages. Are you looking to find a drink that offers peak hydration, raises your energy levels, speeds up your recovery, and keeps your mind sharp through focus and memory? Look no further than with Acid Rain Water. I'm excited to partner with Bloodline Sports AZ and Acid Rain Water, which focuses on peak hydration and productivity while also maintaining an ecosystem-friendly product. Use code HESSEN for 15 for 15% off every purchase. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.